0: I'm holding on to the promises of you. Praise be to God for all that he has given us, including this beautiful day. We at First Church would like to welcome you, whether you're here in person, listening on the radio, or watching on Facebook. We are blessed that you are a part of our worship with us this morning. Today we celebrate Pentecost. Pentecost Sunday is 50 days after Easter, and represents the beginning of the Christian church. It reminds us of how Jesus promised that God would send the Holy Spirit, was fulfilled. For the announcements, please look over the bulletin for items that may be of interest to you. The flowers on the altar are in honor of Chris and Janice Speckman, who will celebrate their 50th wedding anniversary on June 10th. The flowers are a gift from their children and grandchildren. Great to see the entire Speckman family here today to celebrate it with Grandma and Grandpa Speckman. So congratulations to you guys. The Roses on the Altar in honor of three couples celebrating their 50 50 or more years of marriage. Wayne and Karen Kettler, 53 years on June 7th. Jay and Kathleen S. Elsoff, 59 years on June 8th. And we have a rose then also for Grandma and Grandpa Speckman too. So congratulations again to you guys. Praise and Prayer Night is tonight at 7 p.m. Everyone is invited to join us for a night night of worship. The praise team will lead us in worship as we focus our attention on praying for our community and for BBS this week. The Ministry Center will be open all day today, June 5th, for BBS cookie drop-off. I wonder who actually does the quality control on all that and the check-in, huh? Maybe the pastor? I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> Please place them in the caterer kitchen uh, kitchen by 8 p.m. You may also drop them off any time during the week. You know, it's awesome to see, as you see, the things that are set up and the decorations for this exciting week with these energy-packed kids coming for VBS. I'm sure they'll have a, a wonderful, energy-filled week. And now would you rise and join with me for the call to worship. <clears throat> Loving God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we thank and praise you for raising Jesus from the dead, the first fruits of your new creation, and for sending your spirit that we too may have new life in Christ. Thank you for giving us your spirit. We thank and praise you for the power and promise of your Holy Spirit to lead and guide us in all our ways, to help us to live in accordance with your spirit. Set our minds on what the Spirit desires so that we may be joyful, alive in Christ. Thank you for giving us your Spirit. We thank and praise you that the Spirit testifies to us that we are your children and that through the Spirit we can approach you in confidence in our compassionate Father. Thank you that as co-heirs with Christ we will share in this glory. Comfort us with the knowledge that your Spirit also helps us in your our weakness and intercedes for us according to your will. Thank you for giving us your Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, who reign who lives and reigns with your, you and your Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Now let us sing our praise song, Holy Spirit.
1: your Holy Spirit here to guide us, to infill us, Lord. We ask that you empty ourselves out and that you fill us up more and more with yourself. That we may be vessels of honor for you, Lord God. Vessels of honor to continue to spread the gospel of your love and your peace to those around us.
0: Next, we'll have children chat. It will be interesting to see how Mrs. Lammers demonstrates the Holy Spirit coming on the disciples and their ability to speak in different tongues and languages. So as the children come up, please greet those near you.
2: Good morning. Good morning. How are you guys today? Good. Are you enjoying your first week of summer break? Yeah. Are you excited for the coming week? Yeah. What's coming up? VBS. 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 Yes, it will be a fun week, won't it? I want you guys to have so much fun. Okay? All right, but enough with Bible school. Today, I have something for each one of you. Okay? A balloon. balloon. Pick one. Hold on, I have more. Hold on. Grigsby, do you want one? What color do you want? You want red? Okay. Here you go, bud. Perfect. Does everybody have a balloon? I don't
1: have one. You don't have one
2: yet? What color do you want? You'll have orange. Okay, got it. Does everybody have a balloon? Yes. All right. Oh, Caroline, what color do you want? Yellow. Matches your dress. Perfect. All right. So we all have a balloon today, right? Yeah. What could we all do with this balloon? Blow
1: it up.
2: Yeah, and after you blow it up, what can you do with it?
1: Pop
2: it. Let it go. Let it go. Pop it. Tie it, then pop it. Well, then you can't play with it anymore.
1: Tie it and throw it up in the air and try and keep it in the
2: air. Try to keep it in the air. You know, some volleyball players use a balloon to try to, you know, practice that keeping it up in the air thing. Yeah, I've seen them do it. All right, well, some people have really long balloons. And they take those balloons and they twist them and they turn them and they turn them into all kinds of really cool things. Now, I can't do that. We all have a balloon, right?
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah. um, people have long balloons, sometimes they can turn into bunny rabbits.
2: You, they can turn into bunny rabbits. You're right. All right. Well, let's look at our balloon. It's a nice balloon. I personally like mine because blue is my favorite color, so yeah, I picked and I blue. Blue is my I
1: favorite, favorite
2: color. Had it. All right. It's so. <laughs> but if we look at our balloon, it looks like something is missing the air. Oh, it needs some air. Okay. So before we can use our balloon, it has to be filled with air so that it has a purpose in it to it. Someone has to breathe life into it, right? Yeah. Well, today is a special day in the church. It's called Pentecost. Can you say that? Pentecost, right. All right. And this is the day that God sent the Holy Spirit to breathe life into his church so that the church would be all that God wanted it to be. Okay? So, can we see the Holy Spirit? No. Can we see the air? Yes. Yeah. Can we see air? Not. No. But we can take and put air into our balloon, right? Kind of like how the Holy Spirit breathed life into the followers of Jesus, okay? Now, they didn't all speak the same language, but they could understand it in their own language, okay? And everything that they were being told about Jesus, they could understand, and thousands of people were added to the church because of the Holy Spirit. The church became alive and it was doing things that God commanded it to do. All right. So, breathe life into your balloon. Can you get it? Can you get it to blow up? Ooh, the whirlwind boys are getting it to go. All right. So, that is like Bl- the Holy Spirit blowing life into the church. Can we see the Holy Spirit? Nope. Can we... F- but do we know it's here with us? Yes, we do. All right. <laughs> All right. Let the air out of your balloons. Excellent. Uh- Okay, when you get home, there's one more trick. We're kind of getting off script here for a second, but blow your balloon up, take it and go like this and start to let the air out and it makes an awesome whistling sound. But wait till you get home, okay? All right, so remember, the Holy Spirit is what's here among us. We have God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is what is in us. That is the part of God that is in us. So let's say a quick prayer. We thank you, God, for sending your Holy Spirit. Thank you for breathing life into the church, and we thank you for giving your Holy Spirit to all who believe in Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great week, guys.
3: Thank you, Mrs. Lammers. Thanks, kids. You guys can head back to your seats. Just want to remind you again of the opportunity we have to gather as a church family tonight during the praise and prayer night. Um, Again, this is we're going to have a time of worship. We're also going to have time specifically to pray for our teachers and volunteers as as well as our students that will be attending VBS this week. So I want to encourage you, if you're able to be here, to to come and participate. Um, If you're not able to be here, I encourage you to keep VBS in your prayers this week as well. I believe the last count I heard was 168 we had pre-registered, so, which is a great number. And there's always more that come walking in the doors, too. So lots to be thankful for and lots to be praying for this week. And I encourage you to do that. Our offering this morning goes to support the General Fund. And as, we, as the deacons come forward to collect the offering, we're grateful to have Mr. Terry Wisman play the organ for us. Thank you, Terry. I invite the rest of you to remain standing as we sing our next song. It's number 259 in your hymnals. Breathe on me, breath of God. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you once again for the privilege it is to gather together as your people here in this place, as well as those listening on the radio and watching online, Lord. We are your people brought here for one purpose, and that is to praise your name and to give you the honor and glory that you deserve. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit, which we remember and celebrate on this Pentecost Sunday. We thank you that you have given us your Holy Spirit to dwell in us as we put our trust and faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, we ask that you fill us to make us more like Jesus, to equip us and empower us to live holy and pleasing lives for you until your kingdom comes. And Father God, we pray for your continued provision and guidance in our lives. We think especially this day of... Uh, VBS and the, and the ministry that is taking place here this week. We thank you for the many volunteers and teachers, Lord, who are who are going to be devoting time this week to care for and teach these young people. We pray that you would equip them by the power of your Holy Spirit to proclaim your good news, to, to demonstrate and show your love. And Lord, we also pray for those students that will be here. So far, 168 of them. Praise god for those students and just pray lord that you would prepare their hearts and minds to receive your word this week lord whether they're a part of this church family on a regular basis or they're coming from the community we're just grateful that you are bringing them here and i pray lord that they would have open hearts and open minds to receive what you have in store for them we thank you for the message, Lord, of VBS, that, that we are your handiwork, that we were created in Christ Jesus to do good things that you prepared for us to do. And I pray that all of us, both children and adults, would live into that and learn, Lord, what that means for us in our own lives. Lord, we lift up our praises and as well as our concerns to you. We know that there's much need in our church family in our community and around our world. Lord, we, we lift up our concerns, whatever burdens, whatever cares we have, Lord. We lay them at the foot of your cross and pray that your will would be done. And Lord, we have, just as we have been, we pr- continue to pray for our, our governmental leaders because your word calls us to pray for those in authority over us. And so this day we pray for our state leaders. We pray for our governor. the the legislature and the courts, Lord, and other elected and appointed officials. We ask, Lord, that you would give them wisdom beyond their means, that as they make decisions, they would be for the good of our communities, and that their decisions, Lord, would reflect your will and your character for our lives. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen You may be seated by Maria Ford for a scripture reading.
2: first of our scripture readings this morning comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. Now the whole world had one language and one common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, Begun to do this. Then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language, so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from here over all the earth. And they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Our second scripture reading comes from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all gathered together in one place. Suddenly a loud sound like a blowing of violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in their own tongue as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of of those who are speaking Galatians? Then how is it that each of us hears it in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia.
3: Thank you, Maria. You probably didn't know what you were getting yourself into when you signed up to read Scripture today, did you? All those place names. Thank you so much. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you again for, the, for your word. Uh, we are always grateful for the opportunity to open it together and to study it together. And I pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you give me words to speak, That my, that, that what we talk about today would be honoring and pleasing to you. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. When I first began to attend Ashland Theological Seminary to study my for my MDiv, um, I didn't realize at the time, but, but those who study Ashland can choose a concentration for their Masters of Divinity. So there's several different options, and one of them was studying the Old Testament. And... I decided to go that route, and the reason for it, and I will admit this to you now, is I felt like I didn't know a whole lot about the Old Testament. Certainly not enough to then go and be a pastor and be preaching and teaching from Scripture regularly. So I felt like that was the area that I needed to study all the more. And so that's what I did. I I picked up my concentration in the Old Testament and spent several of the classes at Ashland studying different parts of the Old Testament. And one of the things that I learned there was how important and how valuable the Old Testament is for understanding of the New Testament and an understanding of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Without the Old Testament, if we're just reading the Gospels and just reading the Acts and Epistles, you get kind of a surface level understanding. It's good. But when you bring in the Old Testament and bring in the story of Scripture and the story of what God has been doing since Genesis on forward, it has a whole new depth of meaning that we sometimes miss if we're not careful. The Old Testament, everything in the Old Testament points forward to the new. And everything in the New Testament is, is fulfilled, is a fulfillment of the old. In Pentecost, Sunday is no different. Right, Pentecost was one of several annual festivals where people would travel to Jerusalem and offer sacrifices in the temple. It was always seven weeks after Passover and it was associated with the first fruits of the harvest as well as the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. And so the, acts of, the events of Acts chapter 2 bring a whole new significance to this holiday that was already established in the Old Testament. Jesus promised on multiple occasions, including just prior to his ascension in Acts 1, to send his Holy Spirit to his disciples. And that promise is fulfilled here in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. And so to understand just how significant this event is, we need to go back to the Old Testament, but we need to go further back than the temple sacrifices. We, we need to go further back than Moses and the Ten Commandments. We need to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 11 and the Tower of Babel, which you just heard read for you this morning. So I want to begin with the Tower of Babel. The story there in Genesis 11 is is located in a unique spot in the Genesis narrative. It takes place right after the flood. If you remember Noah and the flood, Genesis 10 describes the descendants of Noah, often referred to as the table of nations. There's 70 different people groups listed in that chapter. Many of them probably familiar to you if you've read through the Old Testament or read sections of the Old Testament. And then in Genesis 11, 1 and 2, it says the whole world had one language, which makes sense if you think about it. If everyone had descended from Noah's family, of course, they spoke the same language. And those people settled in the plain of Shinar and decided to build a city there. And that's where things really get interesting, right? In the middle of this great city, they decide to build a tower that they say will reach heaven. The people want to make a name for themselves and avoid being scattered all over the earth. And you know how the story goes. The Lord sees what's happening. He witnesses what they're doing and he decides to intervene. He comes down and he confuses their languages and scatters them all over the earth. Now there's different ways to interpret or understand what's going on in this passage. It may be that their plans for this tower were simply a really tall building. However, technology at that time would not rival anything like what modern technology is able to accomplish. At this point, if you recall from the text, bricks were considered advanced technology. But today, the tallest building in the world is the, and I'm probably not pronouncing this right, but Burj Khalifa in Dubai. Anybody have any idea how tall that is? It is 2,722 feet tall. Just for perspective, that's over half a mile, and it's over twice as tall as the Empire State Building in New York City. That's a really tall building. Now, if the, if, the, if the problem with the Tower of Babel was that it was just a really tall building, then the Lord would obviously have an issue with our modern-day skyscrapers, right? But I don't recall hearing reports of divine intervention or confusion of languages at any construction sites today. If the main concern of the Tower of Babel were bricks at the height and the height of a building, then the Tower of Babel is simply a warning against technology, technological advancement and in human ingenuity. But that is not the case. The real concern here is their motivation. It's not the city. It's not, it's not the physical tower itself, but the reason behind why they're doing what they're doing. And there's three things to notice from this story in Genesis 11. First, it says that the reason behind it was that they wanted to make a name for themselves. Right. The reason they were building this tower was to exalt themselves rather than God. All right, Adam and Eve, just a few chapters earlier, had demonstrated in the garden that the very essence of sin is the exaltation of self rather than of God. Right. It's putting yourself in a position of authority, putting yourself at the center of the universe rather than God, who rightly deserves to be there. Exalting themselves, they are prideful and arrogant, and they are continuing the trend that began in the garden and quite honestly continues through today, because we all still struggle with sin and pride. So first of all, we see that it's a desire to make a name for themselves. Second, we see it was an attempt to avoid being scattered all over the earth. And that seems kind of commendable, right? They, they were united together with one language and one common speech, and they were working to accomplish something together. Our world today is so polarized that that seems like a good thing. Today, people are divided over every single issue imaginable. Right? If I were to stand, out, stand here and tell you that the sky is blue and that two plus two equals four, I guarantee you somebody, maybe not necessarily in this room, but somebody would try to argue with that, right? Somebody would, if you say the sky is blue, someone would say, no, it's orange, right? If, some, if you say two plus two is four, somebody out there will say, no, it's three or five or banana, right? There's just, there, that's just our culture today is everybody is argumentative. Everything is polarized. Social media has just thrown fuel on the fire, Right, people, say some, people say things on the internet that they would never say to a person's face. Social media and 24-hour cable news networks specialize in making mountains out of molehills. We are more divided now as a people than ever. So you read the story of the Tower of Babel and you think, well, that's good. They were working together. What's so bad, of, what's so bad about that? They're united and we could use a little bit more of that today. Unity is a good thing. So why does the narrative present unity in this sense as a negative thing that the Lord felt the need to stop? Genesis 9-1 gives us the answer. In the aftermath of the flood, the Lord reiterated his plan for humankind to Noah. He said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. You see, God's explicit command to Noah and his family After the flood was to be fruitful and and spread out to go forth and fill all of creation. But these people at the Tower of Babel wanted, they didn't want to spread out. They wanted to stay in one place. In other words, their desire to build this great city in this tower was direct disobedience to God's command. It was rebellion, just like Adam and Eve disobeyed by eating the fruit in the garden. That was the one thing that they told that God told them not to do. And here at the Tower of Babel, they decided what was right and good for themselves. They rejected God's authority and decided to do things their own way. And that will never lead anywhere good. You see, unity is a good thing, but we should never be united in our disobedience to the Lord. Right? We should never be united in rebellion against God's will and His word. If that's what we're united around, It's not going to lead anywhere good. The third thing we see from the story of the Tower of Babel is that the tower represents a man-made attempt to reach God. They want a tower that will reach to the heavens. As I've already pointed out, I don't think it's the physical height of the tower that's the problem. This idea of reaching to the heavens, another way to put that is by connecting to God, right? Their desire was to reach heaven, but through purely human effort and action. High places like mountaintops are often used for religious activity. The physical height of a building or structure or mountain right, represented spiritual closeness to the gods that they worshipped. You see, all religions, in one way or another, are man made attempts to reach heaven, are man made attempts to reconcile ourselves to the Lord. Religions will tell you you have to behave a certain way for God to love you, that you have to make the right kind of sacrifices, that you need to believe specific truths and doctrines, that you need to give the right amount of money. All of those things are based on human effort to reach heaven. And that's what the tower, one of the things that the tower represented. And that's why the Lord intervened. He sees the people of Babel attempting to make a name for themselves. They're attempting to reach heaven through human effort. They are living in direct disobedience and rebellion to God. And so the Lord steps in and foils their plans. The Lord recognizes that nothing they plan will be impossible. Unfortunately, right, what they're planning is, is disobedience, and they're running away from God and his will for their lives. The Lord knew that their plan would drive them further away from him. So he did what he did out of love, right, He foiled their plans in order to put an end to their striving for human-based salvation. And if you think about it, right, that's the loving thing to do, isn't it? If someone is running headfirst into trouble or headfirst into danger, you would want to stop them. You'd want to warn them. And that's exactly what God did here in Babel. He confused their languages. He scattered them all over the face of the earth, essentially accomplishing what he told them to do in the first place in Genesis 9-1. And from that point forward, people are scattered, they're divided, they're unable to communicate, and each nation goes their separate way. Until one day, thousands of years after Babel, the Lord intervenes another time. The Lord once again descends, but this time it's different. At Babel... He descended in order to interrupt their disobedience and rebellion. But as we know from human history, and our own experience, right, that the problem of sin and selfishness remained. But when the Lord descended this time, however, he would finally fix the problem of sin and selfishness. As the Gospel of John tells us, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Lord himself took on flesh. He lived the perfect, obedient life that had eluded every person who ever lived, from Adam and Eve to the Tower of Babel to you and I today. He didn't just interrupt our rebellion. He put an end to it through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And his sacrifice removes our sin and makes us children of God. As I mentioned earlier, every religion is a man-made attempt to reach the heavens, except one. Christianity, what we believe, our faith, is not about us trying to reach up to heaven. It's about heaven reaching down to us and rescuing us out of our sin. That's what Jesus does for us, and that's what the Holy Spirit continues to do for us today. Jesus didn't come just to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. And so we fast forward from Genesis 11 and the Tower of Babel to Acts 2 and the day of Pentecost. And I hope you can see reading them side by side, you can see the similarities that are there. And in Genesis 11, the people are gathered in one place in this valley of Shinar. And here, once again, we see the day of Pentecost comes and the disciples, the believers, are together in one place. And as they're praying, it says that the Holy Spirit descends upon them and fills them. Wind and fire, right, are both common metaphors for the Holy Spirit. And it says that this wind, the fire, came from heaven. It was divine in origin. It's sent from God. And it says that the people were filled with the Holy Spirit, which is the direct fulfillment of the, of the promise that Jesus made in Acts chapter 1, that the prophet Joel made in, in chapter 2, of, of the numerous occasions where God promised to, to be with his people. The Holy Spirit is the fulfillment of, of those promises. And two things happen here on the day of Pentecost that are direct reversals of what happened at Babel. So first of all, we see that on the day of Pentecost, people from every nation under heaven are gathered together in Jerusalem. Whereas in Babel, they were scattered and spread out all over the earth. God at Pentecost is bringing the people together once again the list of nations that Maria read so well for us in verses 5-13 through 13, remind us that at the Tower of Babel, God is scattering the nations, but at Pentecost, He's now bringing them back together. And the second thing we see is that they began, the disciples that is, filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them to do so. Everyone heard, everyone heard their message in their own language. Right, the, the, this miracle of tongues is obviously, a, it, it's a, they were, the Lord was enabling them to communicate in a human language because each person was hearing what, what they were able to understand. Right, have you ever seen videos of like a United Nations meeting, right? Where you got leaders from nations all over the world sitting in one room and they got a speaker right up front and, and every person out in the audience has one of those little headphones on. Those are, those are live translators speaking into their ear to translate what the leader from another nation, likely speaking a different language, is saying. That's kind of a, a picture of what's happening here at Pentecost. But instead of having headphones and, and translators, it's the Holy Spirit that is enabling that to happen. As Peter and the other disciples are praising God, every person is able to understand what is being said And obviously you can see how that's a direct reversal of what happened at Babel. At Babel, the languages are confused and nobody could understand each other. And here, even though they speak different languages, God is is, is supernaturally, through a miracle of the Holy Spirit, allowing them to hear and understand the good news of the gospel. God's direct intervention at Babel led to languages being confused and people being scattered all over the earth. But God's direct intervention through his Holy Spirit at Pentecost led to languages being understood and people from all nations coming together. And that is no coincidence. God is doing something new at Pentecost. He's fulfilling his promises and reversing what happened at Babel. So there's three things I want to share with you. What does this mean for us then? Well, we, we know that Babel brought Disunity. But Pentecost brings unity through the common sharing of the Spirit. In Philippians 2, Paul writes, Therefore, if you have any encouragement through being, from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in Spirit and one in mind. You see, it's the Spirit that brings us together as believers. We may come from all different backgrounds and different places and different experiences, but the one thing that brings us together, right, the one thing we have in common, which is the common sharing of the Holy Spirit, is greater than anything that may divide us. And God's family is wonderfully diverse, and so should the church be. Revelation 7-9 gives us a picture of God's kingdom, and it says, "'I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one can count, from every nation and tribe, people and language.'" standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. Right, the day of Pentecost and passages like Revelation 7 remind us that the gospel, right, God's kingdom is bigger than New Knoxville. Right, it's bigger even than the United States. It includes people from every nation on earth, from every skin color, men and women, rich and poor. All freely can receive God's grace and be part of his kingdom. And so we need to strive for unity in a polarized world. Ephesians 4.3, Paul says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. I said before that unity around disobedience should be avoided. But we should strive for unity based on our common sharing of the Spirit and our commitment to follow Christ as Savior and Lord. So we need to unite around the truth of God's Word. And we need to unite around that common relationship through Jesus Christ. And through his spirit. Second thing we want to take away from this is that at Babel, people sought to make a name for themselves. But in Pentecost, they exalted God's name. All right. The disciples at Pentecost were declaring, it says, the wonderful works of God. Right. They're being filled with the spirit, led them not to make a name for themselves, not to say, look how great I am, but to point people to Jesus. And that's our call as well. In 1 Peter 2.9, Peter writes, You are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. In other words, God saves us and redeems us so that we can praise him, so that we can lift up his name, not our own. Reminds me also of Psalm 115.1. Again, it's Psalm 115.1. He says, Not to us, Lord. Not to us, but to your name be the glory, because of your love and faithfulness. Right? That should be the that should be the desire of all of us, of all believers, right? Not to us, not to us, but to your name be the glory. And that's essentially what Jesus told the disciples, the Holy Spirit is called to do. Right? One of the main functions of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus. In John 16, 14, Jesus said just as much, He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he'll make known to you. And so it's the spirit who glorifies the son through the praises of his people. And last, we see that Babel was a story of man-centered disobedience. But Pentecost ushers in an era of spirit-enabled obedience. Remember, Babel was the story of, 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 of the people rejecting God's command, right, to, to spread out and fill the earth instead gathering in one place while well, the spirit empowers and equips believers to live in obedience to christ the spirit resides in every born-again believer and equips them for obedience romans chapter 8 verses 5 through 8 says those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their mind set on what the spirit desires the mind governed by the flesh is death but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. So, do you want to live in obedience to Christ? Do you want to do what He commands us to do? Then we need to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. You can point to passages like Galatians 5 that talk about the fruits of the Spirit. We can look at the gifts of the Spirit in passages like 1 Corinthians 12. But the bottom line is that it is in and through the presence of the Holy Spirit that we can be obedient to Christ. And the disciples themselves are models of that. The disciples in the Gospels were slow to understand. They abandoned Jesus in in, in, in in his time of need. But the disciples in the book of Acts, post-Pentecost, boldly proclaimed Christ without fear of repercussion. Several of them were will- willingly embraced death rather than denounce Christ. And what change took place? The resurrection of Jesus and the arrival of the Holy Spirit. What is the result of all of this then? What happened after the day of Pentecost? Well in Acts chapter two verse forty one it says three thousand people were saved that day. In chapter two, verse forty seven it says more people were being added to their number daily. And in Acts six, seven it says the number of believers were increasing rapidly. See, God intervened at Babel in order to disrupt the obedience excuse me, the disobedience and rebellion of the people. But God intervened at Pentecost so that the message of the gospel could go out and reach as many people as possible. Again, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus told his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the gospel is meant to radiate out from there and fill the earth. Play in that. First, you need to trust in Christ as your Savior and Lord. The miracle of Pentecost isn't a cool party trick. It's the proclamation of the gospel. That Jesus' death and resurrection is the culmination of God's saving work. And like the men and women who heard Peter's sermon that day, we need to repent of our sins and accept Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And when you do that, you too will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And second, we who are born-again believers and are filled with the Holy Spirit must take that message out into the world. There are still people today who are confused and scattered all over the earth, and they need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. They need to know that all of our man-made efforts to reach heaven are going to be in vain. But we need not fear because God sent a Savior from heaven, his very own Son, to rescue us from our sins. And so, brothers and sisters, God gathered us here today in this place. He equips us and encourages us here so that we can go forth. We can leave these doors and share the good news of the gospel out there. Let's commit to do that today. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. And we pray that you would fill us now and enable us and equip us to live lives that are honoring and pleasing to you, that we may proclaim your name and point people to you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. As a closing song and also closing prayer, let's stand together and sing this final song. The words are in your bulletin. And as the praise song, pour me out. Thank you the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. You may go in peace.